Section 10 of South Sea Tales by Jack London. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Seed of McCoy, Part 1. The Pyrenees, her iron sides pressed low in the water by her cargo of wheat, rolled sluggishly and made it easy for the man who was climbing aboard from out a tiny outrigger canoe as his eyes came level with the rail so that he could see inboard it seemed to him that he saw a dim almost indiscernible haze it was more like an illusion like a blurring film that had spread abruptly over his eyes he felt an inclination to brush it away and the same instant he thought that he was growing old and that it was time to send to san francisco for a pair of spectacles as he came over the rail he cast a glance aloft at the tall masts and next at the pumps they were not working there seemed nothing the matter with the big ship and he wondered why she had hoisted the signal of distress he thought of his happy islanders and hoped it was not disease perhaps the ship was short of water or provisions he shook hands with the captain whose gaunt face and careworn eyes made no secret of the trouble whatever it was at the same moment the newcomer was aware of a faint indefinable smell it seemed like that of burnt bread but different he glanced curiously about him twenty feet away a weary-faced sailor was caulking the deck as his eyes lingered on the man he saw suddenly arise from under his hands a faint spiral of haze that curled and twisted and was gone by now he had reached the deck his bare feet were pervaded by a dull warmth that quickly penetrated the thick calluses he knew now the nature of the ship's distress his eyes roved swiftly forward where the full crew of weary-faced sailors regarded him eagerly the glance from his liquid brown eyes swept over them like a benediction soothing them wrapping them about as in the mantle of a great peace how long has she been afire captain he asked in a voice so gentle and unperturbed that it was as the cooing of a dove at first the captain felt the peace and content of it stealing in upon him then the consciousness of all that he had gone through and was going through smote him and he was resentful by what right did this ragged beachcomber in dungaree trousers and a cotton shirt suggest such a thing as peace and content to him and his overwrought exhausted soul the captain did not reason this it was the unconscious process of emotion that caused his resentment fifteen days he answered shortly who are you my name is mccoy came the answer in tones that breathed tenderness and compassion i mean are you the pilot mccoy passed the benediction of his gaze over the tall heavy-shouldered man with the haggard unshaven face 
who had joined the captain i am as much a pilot as anybody was mccoy's answer we are all pilots here captain and i know every inch of these waters but the captain was impatient what i want is some of the authorities i want to talk with them and blame quick then i'll do just as well again that insidious suggestion of peace and his ship a raging furnace beneath his feet the captain's eyebrows lifted impatiently and nervously and his fist clenched as if he were about to strike a blow with it who in hell are you he demanded i am the chief magistrate was the reply in a voice that was still the softest and gentlest imaginable the tall heavy-shouldered man broke out in a harsh laugh that was partly amusement but mostly hysterical both he and the captain regarded mccoy with incredulity and amazement that this barefooted beachcomber should possess such high-sounding dignity was inconceivable his cotton shirt unbuttoned exposed a grizzled chest and the fact that there was no undershirt beneath a worn straw hat failed to hide the ragged gray hair halfway down his chest descended an untrimmed patriarchal beard in any slop shop two shillings would have outfitted him complete as he stood before them any relation to the mccoy of the bounty the captain asked he was my great-grandfather oh the captain said then bethought himself my name is davenport and this is my first mate mr koenig they shook hands and now to business the captain spoke quickly the urgency of a great haste pressing his speech we've been on fire for over two weeks she's ready to break all hell loose any moment that's why i held for pitcairn i want to beach her or scuttle her and save the hull then you made a mistake captain said mccoy you should have slacked away for mangareva there's a beautiful beach there in a lagoon where the water is like a mill-pond but we are here ain't we the first mate demanded that's the point we are here and we've got to do something mccoy shook his head kindly you can do nothing here there is no beach there isn't even anchorage gammon said the mate gammon he repeated loudly as the captain signalled him to be more soft-spoken you can't tell me that sort of stuff where'd you keep your own boats hey your schooner or cutter or whatever you have hey answer me that mccoy smiled as gently as he spoke his smile was a caress an embrace that surrounded the tired mate and sought to draw him into the quietude and rest of mccoy's tranquil soul we have no schooner or cutter he replied and we carry our canoes to the top of the cliff you've got to show me snorted the mate how'd ye get around to the other islands eh tell me that we don't get around as governor of pitcairn i sometimes go when i was younger i was away a great deal sometimes on the trading schooners 
but mostly on the missionary brig but she's gone now and we depend on passing vessels sometimes we have had as high as six calls in one year at other times a year or even longer has gone by without one passing ship yours is the first in seven months and you mean to tell me the mate began but captain davenport interfered enough of this we're losing time what is to be done mr mccoy the old man turned his brown eyes sweet as a woman's shoreward and both captain and mate followed his gaze around from the lonely rock of pitcairn to the crew clustering forward and waiting anxiously for the announcement of a decision mccoy did not hurry he thought smoothly and slowly step by step with the certitude of a mind that was never vexed or outraged by life the wind is light now he said finally there is a heavy current setting to the westward that's what made us fetch to leeward the captain interrupted desiring to vindicate his seamanship yes that is what fetched you to leeward mccoy went on well you can't work up against this current today, and if you did there is no beach your ship would be a total loss he paused and captain and mate looked despair at each other but i will tell you what you can do the breeze will freshen tonight around midnight see those tails of clouds and that thickness to windward beyond the point there that's where she'll come from out of the southeast hard it is three hundred miles to mangareva square away for it there is a beautiful bed for your ship there the mate shook his head come into the cabin and we'll look at the chart said the captain mccoy found a stifling poisonous atmosphere in the pent cabin stray waftures of invisible gases bit his eyes and made them sting the deck was hotter almost unbearably hot to his bare feet the sweat poured out of his body he looked almost with apprehension about him this malignant internal heat was astounding it was a marvel that the cabin did not burst into flames he had a feeling as if of being in a huge bake oven where the heat might at any moment increase tremendously and shrivel him up like a blade of grass as he lifted one foot and rubbed the hot sole against the leg of his trousers the mate laughed in a savage snarling fashion the ante-room of hell he said hell herself is right down there under your feet it's hot mccoy cried involuntarily mopping his face with a bandana handkerchief here's mangareva the captain said bending over the table and pointing to a black speck in the midst of the white blankness of the chart and here in between is another island why not run for that mccoy did not look at the chart that's crescent island he answered it is uninhabited and it is only two or three feet above water lagoon but no entrance no mangareva is the nearest place for your purpose mangareva it is then said captain davenport 
interrupting the mate's growling objection call the crew aft mr koenig the sailors obeyed shuffling wearily along the deck and painfully endeavoring to make haste exhaustion was evident in every movement the cook came out of his galley to hear and the cabin boy hung about near him when captain davenport had explained the situation and announced his intention of running for mangareva an uproar broke out against a background of throaty rumbling arose inarticulate cries of rage and here and there a distinct curse or word or phrase a shrill cockney voice soared and dominated for a moment crying god after being in hell for fifteen days and now he wants us to sail this floating hell to sea again the captain could not control them but mccoy's gentle presence seemed to rebuke and calm them and the muttering and cursing died away until the full crew save here and there an anxious face directed at the captain yearned dumbly toward the green-clad peaks and beetling coast of pitcairn soft as a spring zephyr was the voice of mccoy captain i thought i heard some of them say they were starving ay was the answer and so we are i've had a sea biscuit and a spoonful of salmon in the last two days we're on whack you see when we discovered the fire we battened down immediately to suffocate the fire and then we found how little food there was in the pantry but it was too late we didn't dare break out the lazarette hungry i'm just as hungry as they are he spoke to the men again and again the throat rumbling and cursing arose their faces convulsed and animal-like with rage the second and third mates had joined the captain standing behind him at the break of the poop their faces were set and expressionless they seemed bored more than anything else by this mutiny of the crew captain davenport glanced questioningly at his first mate and that person merely shrugged his shoulders in token of his helplessness you see the captain said to mccoy you can't compel sailors to leave the safe land and go to sea on a burning vessel she has been their floating coffin for over two weeks now they are worked out and starved out and they've got enough of her we'll beat up for pitcairn but the wind was light the pyrenees's bottom was foul and she could not beat up against the strong westerly current at the end of two hours she had lost three miles the sailors worked eagerly as if by main strength they could compel the pyrenees against the adverse elements but steadily port tack and starboard tack she sagged off to the westward the captain paced restlessly up and down pausing occasionally to survey the vagrant smoke wisps and to trace them back to the portions of the deck from which they sprang the carpenter was engaged constantly in attempting to locate such places and when he succeeded in caulking them tighter and tighter well what do you think the captain finally asked mccoy 
who was watching the carpenter with all a child's interest and curiosity in his eyes mccoy looked shoreward where the land was disappearing in the thickening haze i think it would be better to square away for mangareva with that breeze that is coming you'll be there to-morrow evening but what if the fire breaks out it is liable to do it any moment have your boats ready in the falls the same breeze will carry your boats to mangareva if the ship burns out from under captain davenport debated for a moment and then mccoy heard the question he had not wanted to hear but which he knew was surely coming i have no chart of mangareva on the general chart it is only a fly speck i would not know where to look for the entrance into the lagoon will you come along and pilot her in for me mccoy's serenity was unbroken yes captain he said with the same quiet unconcern with which he would have accepted an invitation to dinner i'll go with you to mangareva again the crew was called aft and the captain spoke to them from the break of the poop we've tried to work her up but you see how we've lost ground she's setting off in a two-knot current this gentleman is the honorable mccoy chief magistrate and governor of pitcairn island he will come along with us to mangareva so you see the situation is not so dangerous he would not make such an offer if he thought he was going to lose his life besides whatever risk there is if he of his own free will come on board and take it we can do no less what do you say for mangareva this time there was no uproar mccoy's presence the surety and calm that seemed to radiate from him had had its effect they conferred with one another in low voices there was little urging they were virtually unanimous and they shoved the cockney out as their spokesman that worthy was overwhelmed with consciousness of the heroism of himself and his mates and with flashing eyes he cried by god if ye will we will the crew mumbled its assent and started forward one moment captain mccoy said as the other was turning to give orders to the mate i must go ashore first mr koenig was thunderstruck staring at mccoy as if he were a madman go ashore the captain cried what for it will take you three hours to get there in your canoe mccoy measured the distance of the land away and nodded yes it is six now i won't get ashore till nine the people cannot be assembled earlier than ten as the breeze freshens up to-night you can begin to work up against it and pick me up at daylight to-morrow morning in the name of reason and common sense the captain burst forth what do you want me to assemble the people for don't you realize that my ship is burning beneath me mccoy was as placid as a summer sea and the other's anger produced not the slightest ripple upon it yes captain he cooed in his dove-like voice i do realize that your ship is burning 
that is why i'm going with you to mangareva but i must get permission to go with you it is our custom it is an important matter when the governor leaves the island the people's interests are at stake and so they have a right to vote their permission or refusal but they will give it i know that are you sure quite sure then if you know they will give it why bother with getting it think of the delay a whole night it is our custom was the imperturbable reply also i am the governor and i must make arrangements for the conduct of the island during my absence but it is only a twenty-four hour run to mangareva the captain objected suppose it took you six times that long to return to windward that would bring you back by the end of a week mccoy smiled his large benevolent smile very few vessels come to pitcairn and when they do they are usually from san francisco or from around the horn i shall be fortunate if i get back in six months i may be away a year and i may have to go to san francisco in order to find a vessel that will bring me back my father once left pitcairn to be gone three months and two years passed before he could get back then too you are short of food if you have to take to the boats and the weather comes up bad you may be days in reaching land i can bring off two canoe loads of food in the morning dried bananas will be best as the breeze freshens you beat up against it the nearer you are the bigger loads i can bring off good-bye he held out his hand the captain shook it and was reluctant to let go he seemed to cling to it as a drowning sailor clings to a life buoy how do i know you will come back in the morning he asked yes that's it cried the mate how do we know but what he's skinning out to save his own hide mccoy did not speak he looked at them sweetly and benignantly and it seemed to them that they received a message from his tremendous certitude of soul the captain released his hand and with a last sweeping glance that embraced the crew in its benediction mccoy went over the rail and descended into his canoe the wind freshened and the pyrenees despite the foulness of her bottom one half a dozen miles away from the westerly current at daylight with pitcairn three miles to windward captain davenport made out two canoes coming off to him again mccoy clambered up the side and dropped over the rail to the hot deck he was followed by many packages of dried bananas each package wrapped in dry leaves now captain he said swing the yards and drive for dear life you see i am no navigator he explained a few minutes later as he stood by the captain aft the latter with gaze wandering from aloft to overside as he estimated the pyrenees's speed you must fetch her to mangareva when you have picked up the land then i will pilot her in what do you think she is making eleven captain davenport answered 
with a final glance at the water rushing past eleven let me see if she keeps up that gate we'll sight mangareva between eight and nine o'clock tomorrow morning i'll have her on the beach by ten or by eleven at latest and then your troubles will be all over it almost seemed to the captain that the blissful moment had already arrived such was the persuasive convincingness of mccoy captain davenport had been under the fearful strain of navigating his burning ship for over two weeks and he was beginning to feel that he had had enough a heavier flaw of wind struck the back of his neck and whistled by his ears he measured the weight of it and looked quickly overside the wind is making all the time he announced the old girl's doing nearer twelve than eleven right now if this keeps up we'll be shortening down tonight all day the pyrenees carrying her load of living fire tore across the foaming sea by nightfall royals and topgallant sails were in and she flew on into the darkness with great crested seas roaring after her the auspicious wind had had its effect and fore and aft a visible brightening was apparent in the second dog watch some careless soul started a song and by eight bells the whole crew was singing captain davenport had his blankets brought up and spread on top the house i've forgotten what sleep is he explained to mccoy i'm all in but give me a call at any time you think necessary end of part one of the seed of mccoy